Thank you, guys. Y'all can sit there the whole time if you want to. That's fine with me. I, I really don't mind. I'm up here trying to run sound as we do this because Todd's normally upstairs running sound for me. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> Give you just a, a little background on uh, what was going on with camp. One thing I've, I've always, always been amazed with is when students come back, they always go, oh, rec was fun. It's the only reason we, only reason we went was to go have fun at rec. Rec was fun. It really was fun. Um, <clears throat> On Monday night when we, we got there, they brought all the student ministers together and they said, you're going to actually have very little responsibility this week. This is your chance to kind of sit back and be fed and be ministered to, which is a real nice thing to have happen. But it was, it was interesting because we all went into this room and we we're sitting there and they said, what were your expectations for the week? And I'm sitting there going, Unity. Because I think I'd mentioned before we left out that, that a, a pretty good-sized part of our group were guests and visitors. They'd been coming on a regular basis. But unity. And so I looked at them and I said, I am asking, or I'm expecting and looking for God to do some unity work. And it was amazing what one volleyball can do. <laughs> of course, now they've told me we need to build a sand volleyball pit here. And I'm thinking, maybe... Um, if somebody else is going to come out and weed the thing on a regular basis. But <clears throat> walked out on a Tuesday afternoon. I'd bought this volleyball. They're out around outside of the dorms, and they're playing volleyball. And I heard it going on, and I walked up, and I went, wow. I started counting. We took 47 students with us. 34 of them were on the court playing at one time. And it was not the thing of... You know, they didn't say, oh, we've got six, we'll rotate you in. It was like, no, no, come on, come on in. Come on in. And everybody kept getting on the court, and they kept playing. And if somebody did one of those wonderful little serves, you know, it's kind of like, they'd throw the ball, oh, try it again, try it again, let's do it. And they were cheering and just doing everything. And I walked away from there going, thank you, Father. You have started unity. And it wasn't just the high school group or the middle school group. It was all of them combined. And I'm sitting here. I walked back in on that Tuesday night. And they said, so what's, what's the update for the first day? And I said, God has answered prayers for unity because I'm seeing my group come together. And it was the coolest thing to sit and watch all of that take place. Now, the theme for the whole week was called, Who Do You Say I Am? Do you know the passage? Mark chapter 8. Verse what? 29, they know that. Well, it's on your shirt. So you kind of have that option there. Um, based on that passage, we're going to look and see what happens when Jesus poses this question. Notice, Peter answers. He didn't pose the question to Peter. He posed it to the disciples, and Peter's the one that jumped out. Now, one of the things I have to realize as father, as a father, I realize many different roles that I play. See if parents, see if you can, you can catch where this is. I play father, I play dad, I play, play provider, comforter, mediator, um, teacher, Mr. Fix-It, uh, counselor, friend, sounding board, depending on what was needed, helped to determine who I was at that time. I didn't change who I was, it was just the role that I filled in my children's life with what was going on. And usually, I knew what was going on the way one of my girls would come to me. 
My oldest, I can read her like a book. She could walk up and go, Daddy, I love you. My first thought is, what's this going to cost me? What did you break or what do you need? She's 27. She still does this. You know, comes up, Daddy, I love you. Okay, what's happened? So it's kind of like, okay, now what is my role? What am I having to do? Now, Leslie, on the other hand, since she's in here, um, she wasn't quite as easy to read. With the exception of when she walked in talking, you knew something was up. And it's like, okay, what do I need to do now? If she walked in and didn't say a word, you kind of knew what was going on. But you know your children, right? Can you, parents, can you normally, when your kids walk in, do you get an idea of what's going on with how they respond when you ask a question? Okay. I was going to do to y'all, here's what I do to my 7th and 8th graders at school. This is yes, this is no, but I'm seeing a whole lot of the deer in the headlights. If I move, he'll see me. He'll make me answer a question. So if I ask a question, please realize I'm used to teenagers, and when you ask a question to teenagers, whether it's rhetorical or not, they answer. So if I ask a question, just feel free to do that. I want you to look, Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 8. Let's look at Mark chapter 8, starting with verse 27. Starting in verse 27. Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road he asked his disciples, Who do you say that I, or who do people say that I am? Some said, I just lost my Bible. Got to go to the next verse. They answered him, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. But you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Peter responded, you're the Messiah. We know the passage. We see what's going on. But we need to see some of the background. If you look back through Mark and follow through, even if you look through all the synoptic gospels, if you look back through, look at the things that Jesus has already done. He's already fed the 5,000 or the 5,000 men. He has walked on the water. He has healed people from demons. He has now fed 4,000. He just healed a blind man. You're seeing all these things that Jesus has done. And he looks and says, who do people say I am? Now, if you look back through, through Scripture, you're going to find out John the Baptist was already dead. They had already beheaded John the Baptist at this point here. So when somebody says, some are saying John the Baptist. But when you want to look at it and go, now wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus was always here. We saw him. We saw John. Now John's dead. How could he be John the Baptist? That doesn't quite make sense. It doesn't, you know, you kind of follow through and go, oh, I don't see that one. What if we looked at it from this perspective here and we said, Jesus is saying, you've seen the things that I've done. Notice who he asked the question to. He asked the question to the disciples themselves. He didn't ask the big crowd. He asked these 12 that have been following him around. Who do you say I am? It's kind of like saying, you've seen what I've done. You've seen the miracles. You've seen me feed people. You've seen me heal people. 
You've seen all of this stuff. Who do you say I am? Think about that one for just a second. If you're one of the disciples and you're going, I've seen all this. Who is he? Did John the Baptist perform miracles? Elijah was one of the prophets. Did they do anything close to what Jesus has already done? Hadn't done anything close to what Jesus has already done. Now, if I were to ask you this question, I would hope that I would get the same answer that Peter gave. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. Depending on the translation you're looking at, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And you'd be correct. But I want to take for just a minute, I want to look at who does Scripture say that Jesus Christ is. Now, this is not an all-encompassing list, but I want you to catch this. This is how Scripture says who Jesus Christ is. Prophet, priest, king of kings, author and finisher of our faith, prince of peace, lord of lords, mighty God, lion of Judah, redeemer, counselor, judge, provider, healer, master, savior, the Christ, friend of sinners, bread of life, the vine, the way, the truth, the life, mediator, the great shepherd, alpha and omega, and these are just a few. So who is Jesus? Is that a question we should ask ourselves once? Or is that a question we should ask ourselves every single day? Hopefully you've gotten past the point of saying the initial, who is Jesus? And if you can get to the point that you can say, who is Jesus? And you can say, he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one that died on the cross, was put in the grave, and rose from the grave for my sins. And I embrace that, and I place my faith and trust in him as my Lord and Savior. Not just Savior, but hopefully Lord and Savior. We get past that first point. We've got to get past that first point because beyond that, nothing else really matters until you get there. But if you're a believer in Christ, if you're a Christ follower, let me ask this question. Who is Jesus to you? This question really took on a whole new meaning to me when I sat in a room at University of Central Oklahoma with what I'm going to refer to as my student ministry, and they started speaking. And I started hearing things from these teenagers. And I heard kids confessing things. And I heard kids saying, I was worried about this, and God has done this, and he's provided this. And I have kids saying, I wish that God would be able to do this, and if he doesn't, that's okay. And this question took on a whole new perspective for me because I sat back and I went, who do you say I am? The list that we just read, is he provider? Do we look and say, if Jesus says, who am I? If all my answer is, is he is Lord and Savior. Yeah, that's good. But is that all he is? If that's all he is, would these others have been listed throughout Scripture of who he was? The second one I read was he is priest. Is he our priest? You realize Old Testament, the way they got to God is they had to go through the priest, right? That's the way God set it up, is you went to the priest and the priest went to God. When Jesus came, he took the place 
a prophet, priest, and king. He is our priest. He is our mediator between us and God. We have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. Is he our priest? Is he the one that we go to? When we need to go straight to God because he has God's ear. Well, he is God. He is God. Do we see him as that? Provider. Have you known God to be provider? I look over here and I see Brian Leonard and I'm thinking, I bet he's got some examples about God being provider. I bet he's got some really good examples about that. I've got examples in my own life to how God is just, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. There is a really neat quote that uh, we picked up at camp. And we've used it in some really interesting, in, interesting ways, not bad ways. But the quote was this, Yahweh always provides. And I love that because if you remember what Lash always says, Lash will make the comment, he'll say, God is seldom early, but he's never late. He's always right on time. And then I think about the quote we had at camp, Yahweh always provides. We were driving on the way, but on the way back on the bus, and, and, and Dusty looks at me and he says, you know, man, I wish I could be more involved, involved with the student ministry, but, um, you know, I'm the only drummer. And somebody else pops off, and I said, well, I said, um, Reed would shoot me. And somebody else says, uh, Yahweh always provides. I'm like, <laughs> we need to teach him that one before we decide to go that direction. Um, but if you think about it, Yahweh always provides. Does he always provide for us? But do we see him as that? Do we see that if we say, who is Jesus? He always provides. Is he always there? Is he taking care of us? And if we believe that, do we live it? Do we really live it? I have kids at school that will look at me. I, I teach with nothing but MacBooks at school, okay? I use real computers. Um, <clears throat> I knew that would get a snicker from some folks. I teach only MacBooks at school, and I have kids that come in and go, Mr. Fletcher, do you not like PCs? I said, they make a really good paperweight over there. Um, but I look at them and I say, guys, seriously, this is what I prefer, and these are okay. Well, we never see you use this. If I say that this is okay, but I never use it, and I never demonstrate that, do my actions match with what my words are? Am I walking through life saying, I trust God, and then I look and go, but I want control of this one, and I want control of this one? Do I believe the phrase, Yahweh always provides? i got to ask myself that question on a daily basis. On a daily basis. When I chartered the buses, I had a real hard time trying to get buses lined up this year, or at least a bus lined up this year. Everybody I contacted, nope, we're, we're, we're booked. I don't have any equipment, don't have any equipment. I finally get in touch with this one company. Well, the guy that we've been using in the past said, okay, when you're trying to find a bus company, because all the issues that we've had with buses, you know, this, that, and the other, he said, here's the things you need to ask. You need to ask for this and this and this and this. There were about five or six different things he said you need to ask for when you contact a bus company. And so I contact this one bus company, 
And I said, I would just like to get a quote to find out what it would take to take us from Murphy, Texas to Edmond, Oklahoma. They respond via email. And they've got all six, six, I to stop and think, all six of those things included in the email. I'm going, okay, this 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 will be good. This will be good. A little more than I'd wanted to pay for a charter bus. And so I'm looking there going, okay, well, this is the only folks that I can get. I've tried everybody else, and this is the only company that's actually responding to me. So I contact them, and they said, yeah, and we do work for these people and these people and these people and these people. Okay, so I checked their references, and everything was working well. The bus shows up on Monday morning. And I look out, and this big, huge bus shows up, nice and shiny. And I get on. I'm talking to the driver. I'm thinking, okay, we didn't get the, you know, bottom of the list piece of equipment. Here's the only thing we have left. Y'all have fun going to camp. I get on the bus, and I look at the driver, and I said, so how many miles does this one have on it? And he looks and says, 14,000. And I said, 14,000? He said, yeah, this bus is three months old. Okay. He says, oh, by the way, every seat has electrical outlets at it. And once everybody gets on the bus, I'll tell them what the Wi-Fi code is. Okay? And then so I'm going, okay, this, this, is, this is pretty good. We've got a good bus going to camp. We'll be in good shape. I mean, it's, I'm, getting, I'm in the undercarriage. I don't know if you saw the picture last, po- last posted with he and I in the undercarriage. It wasn't even dirty. It was so new. And so when we're getting ready to come back home, I had to walk across campus, find the bus, and I see it, and it's just a big white one with some red stuff on it, almost opposite the, 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 the decorations on it. And I get on, it looks like it's, you know, a decent bus. I look at the driver, and I said, so the bus we came here on had like 14,000 miles, and how many does this one have? He said, oh, it's got about, that bus had about 4,000 miles more than this one does. This one's two months old. I'm going, okay, Yahweh always provides. He got us a really, I mean, it's a nice bus. It really was a nice bus. We didn't have any issues on it. It was nice. It was clean. It was comfortable. And I'm thinking, that's the little things. He's providing in the little things. And I have stopped and asked myself the question, who do I say he is? in the little things that we got a really nice bus both ways i was talking to tiny about it and he says yeah our bus coming home wasn't quite as nice he says they ask us how many people do you have and he said 45 he said good we have a 47 passenger i had a 57 passenger bus with 51 people on it so we had a little bit of extra space but he says yeah ours wasn't quite that nice and i'm like but god provided I saw him so much more as provider that trip. I have known Jesus as Savior to me. But several nights, I had, had one night that two students came in and said, I'm embracing Christ as my Savior. The next day, I had two young men come and say, we're embracing Christ as our Savior. Another night, I had another student say, I'm embracing Christ as my Savior. And I'm sitting here going, Wow. I embrace Christ as Savior at six years old. I need to re- recant that. I mean, not to recant that, but to recapture that feeling 
I need to recapture that feeling every day of him as Savior. Because I'm watching students that are embracing him as Lord and Savior. And I, I'm, I'm watching this and going, ooh, there it is. There it is. I'm seeing him as Savior again. Guys, you realize that we don't see him as Savior just one time. We should see him as Savior every single day. One of the things that um, I'm trying to remember if it was Trish or, or who it was that had mentioned this. How many of us, when we get up in the morning, the first thing we do, I know students don't do this, um, look at your phone. Nobody's guilty of that, are you? As soon as you get up, you flip the phone over. I do to turn my alarm off because I know the phone will always go off. Um, but what's the first thing you do before your feet hit the floor? I know in a roundabout way, Trish gave our students a, a challenge. Why not leave your Bible app open on your phone so that when you turn it on first thing in the morning, you see a scripture? If we do that, are we going to start asking ourselves that question? Who do we say Jesus is in our daily life? So, who do you say Jesus is today? I'm going to throw that question out to you. Who do you see, or who do you say Jesus is? Is your response, he is Messiah, or your personal Messiah? He wants that personal relationship. I loved it. A couple of our guys made the comment, and it just really kind of hit me hard. They said, we know the answers. We know all the answers. We've been taught the Bible. We know all the answers to the questions that you ask. It's not a big deal. But it's a personal relationship that we missed out on. It's that personal relationship. I can know about Jesus. I can know about the Bible. But do I know Jesus in a personal way? That personal relationship is what is key to the relationship at all. That it's personal. Who is Jesus to you? Is he personal Lord and Savior? But who does he want to be? Who do you need him to be? Do you need him today to be comforter? Do you need him to be your strength? Do you need him to be your peace? Do you need him just to wrap his arms around you and love you a little bit harder? A little more securely? Do you need him to be that healer? Who do you need Jesus to be? I watched Jesus be so many different things to our students when we went to camp. And I'm watching God through my life be so many different things. Even this last week, I'm watching what God is doing. I'm like, oh. Made the comment to Lash last week. Why am I always shocked when God does something amazing? Shouldn't we be expecting God to do something amazing? But when he does, we still kind of go, wow. How about we're just excited when he does it? Look what God did. Look what God did. So ask yourself this question. Who do you say Jesus is? Today, who do you say Jesus is? I have to stop and say, yes, he is my Lord and he is my Savior. But who do I need him to be today? In my life. 
Not that he changes his personality or who he is. Just like his father, I'm a dad, I'm a confidant, I'm the dad, please fix this because I broke it again. That's typically Le- Le- uh, Leanne, not Leslie. Because Leslie will hide it. No. Um. But who does Jesus need to be today? Who does he need to be today? And then I will throw it out to you. Who does he need to be tomorrow? But you know, I love it when Jesus comes back and he says, why do you worry about today? Today has enough cares of its own. Don't worry. I mean, why do you worry about tomorrow? Today has enough cares of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. Who does Jesus need to be in your life today? Flip side, there's some of us that are going to go out to church under the tree later today to serve a meal there in Haggard Park. And for those that don't understand what church under the tree is, it's a church that meets actually in Haggard Park under a tree. Rain, snow, heat, cold, whatever. There's a little gazebo. If it's raining, they'll meet under that. But they meet out there. They've been meeting out there about seven years now. And it's a church. And God is doing some life change out there. Those of us that get to go out there today to serve, who do they need Jesus to be through us? I talked about God being provider. How many folks are excited about pumpkin patch? How many folks are excited about unloading? For pumpkin patch. I have one. I'm noticing Tyler's just kind of shrinking in his in his chair. Pumpkin patch, it's a it's a killer. That was a wonderful welcome to student ministry at Murphy Road Baptist Church. Here's pumpkin patch. But guys, do you realize that in that situation God was provider? That is our fundraiser for camp. Because of that, I was able to take $44 and apply $44 to everybody's camp account. Because camp's normally $320. And we got it down to $275. And because God provides, because he was provider, that's how I paid for that bus. I didn't have to charge it back to the students. If I'd had to charge the bus back to the students, you know, and not been able to have the money to pay, camp would have been over $400 a person. I figured that out, and I went, mm-mm, that ain't happening. We're going to see what we can do, and it's like, Yahweh always provides. Who do we say he is? Yahweh always provides. Who do we say he is? Who is he in your life? Who is Jesus Christ in your life? Who does he need to be today? I pray that today is the day that you initially, if you've never done it before, that you say, I want to embrace Christ. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Personal Lord and Savior. That you embrace that. And then see who he is on a daily basis. Those that are already believers, I pray that we would ask daily, who do we say he is and who he wants to be, and the role he wants to fulfill in our lives, along with Lord and Savior. Would you stand with me and let's pray together? Musicians are going to make their way up here.
I know I've repeated the question a couple of times, who do you say he is? But seriously, not as much as a rhetorical question, but as one to truly ask yourselves, who do you say he is today? Let's pray together. Father, I just ask right now that you would just speak to our hearts. God, that you would show us what you have. Thank you that you were there. Thank you that we can ask the question of who do we say Jesus is? And fathers, we answer that question. I just give it to you that you would move in hearts and you would just stir hearts that need to be stirred. God, thank you that you are there. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross for us. And I just pray that this week as we, as we continue on, that we stop and look at who Jesus is. King of kings, Lord of lords, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. The way, the truth, the life. That God, you just, just burden us to love on you because of the relationship you want with us. And we praise you for it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.